I rounded the base of 40 this summer. My wife got me this motorized skateboard, right? I've been hit by a car once, and uh, you know, I've bailed a number of other times, but I've, I've, there's something about being alive right now, halfway through life approximately. It's sort of awakened, maybe it's midlife crisis, but I'm not freaking out, I'm not, I'm not doing drastic things, but there's something about like realizing that in 20 years, we're gonna look back, even though this was so hard in some ways, like we're gonna say, oh, that was the stuff. Especially for me having children and like, that's the stuff, this is the good part. And so for me right now, I'm really interested in becoming, just pursuing authenticity in my own life. Welcome to Hello Atelier, the podcast that takes you inside the artist studio. I'm your host, Betsy Blodgett, and with me is producer Jonathan Getz. Hello. Jonathan, what is the eighth thing you do every single morning? The eighth? Mm-hmm. After you get up, brush your teeth, get dressed, eat breakfast, feed the cats, and get on the computer, the eighth thing you do every day is... I don't know. You make coffee. Oh, yes, of course. Every morning, you hand grind your beans, boil water in a kettle, and then let it steep in your fancy French press for precisely four minutes, all to drink a presumably delicious cup of black coffee. And although you dabble with bean brands, I have noticed on multiple occasions a hand-printed coffee bag in our cabinet, which happens to be made by our guest today, Gregory Colsto of Oddly Correct Coffee. You know, I used to be a coffee-by-the-pot drinker, uh, but about a year ago I traded it all in for tea because I realized that I didn't actually enjoy drinking coffee in bulk outside of the caffeine buzz, but at that point it's just fuel or a supplement. Then I had oddly correct. Uh, That was when I realized, oh, so this is what coffee is supposed to taste like. I can enjoy this. Uh, So now I'm back up to a cup or two a day, hand grinder, French press, the whole bit. No bulk consumption, just enjoying the cup, all in moderation. It's less of a necessity and more of a reward now. Gregory has made it his mission to turn people on to the intense coffee flavor he loves. He began just a few years ago by roasting in his friend's garage and delivering the coffee milkman style on his bicycle. Today, Oddly Correct is a frequent name on lists of America's best coffee shops. So we met with Gregory in his roasting space in Midtown, Kansas City, which is right on Main Street, hence the traffic noise. Two doors down from us is Gregory's coffee shop, or as he prefers it called, the tasting room. The roasting space we sit in is filled to the brim with bags of coffee, roasting machines, letterpress equipment, which is used to create coffee bags, and even a drum kit, as every once in a while the roasting space transforms into a rehearsal space for Gregory's band. For someone who has built such a deep community in Kansas City, he has been here a relatively short time. I asked Gregory to tell me how he got here. Yeah, I grew up in the outside of Chicago, essentially the greater metropolitan area of Chicago land, in a very charming yet devoid of culture place. And so I was there for maybe 20-something years, you know, visiting Chicago and moving ever closer. And But I got into coffee, essentially, you know, was, was doing what I was supposed to do, more or less go to school, attempt at getting a degree or whatever, because that's what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I went to, yeah, I went to Northern Illinois University to study illustration. And I came away with not much, which was fine. And then, I, but so weirdly enough, then wandered into community college, ran into my mentor, which kind of changed the course of my life in the sense of, of art. He was a figure drawing guy, and he kind of just opened my mind to jazz and Leonard Cohen and Willem de Kooning and Lucian Freud and all of these other influences that I would have never gotten, you know, where I was from. 
I was scooping ice cream at the time, you know, 20 years ago or something, 22 years ago. Coffee came. Starbucks at the time was uh, just introducing Frappuccino and that sort of thing. And at the time, they were a really great company. I think they're probably still a good company to work for, but some of the veneer has worn off there. So that's where I got into uh, coffee. Jumped into coffee for four years at Starbucks and then had the opportunity to apprentice roasting with a company a little closer to Chicago. For two years, I did that, kind of answered phones, shipped packages, learned how to roast and all of that. And then that company, weirdly enough, was purchased by Krispy Kreme. That's where I got my business education, essentially, through corporate America. And But through that, I got to travel a lot and learn about coffee. From that, got an opportunity to come to Kansas City and work with a company here. So that's, that's how I got here. It was fascinating, you know, going from kind of a, a small family-run company to a, co- a publicly traded company. And sort of right then, I think, is when the seeds for Oddly Correct began. I didn't know it. I didn't even have a desire that I wanted to start my own thing or do whatever. Mm-hmm. I was happy to just do a job, you know. When I went to North Carolina, I started rock climbing and kind of fell in love with the mountains that were there. And we were so close to so many mountain ranges. And, and the deal was like, I would only wear clothes to work that I could untuck and go climbing in, you know, which included like a plaid shirt and corduroys or whatever. But you had to tuck them in because of that dress code. And that sort mm-hmm. of freaks me out. And, you know, the whole corporate culture thing, which is not a culture of liberty, it's more of a culture of which I understand now, like some people can't handle liberty. And, and you don't know a lot of times how to go into it saying this is what you, know, you don't want to tell everybody what they can and can't do. You want them to figure it out. I think corporate life was uh, really important because I think it has positives and negatives. Um, there's reasons that it sucks and there's reasons why it's really working. Humanizing that a little bit is probably something I'm really excited about now. So you left Krispy Kreme for the opportunity to work at Paris Brothers Coffee, which is a much smaller company here in Kansas City. How was that change for you? My wife and I say we traded the hills of North Carolina for the culture of Kansas City, which is a trade-off because the hills are amazing and it was mm-hmm. really beautiful. And yet, Kansas City um, is just so special. And I think that was where, when I came to Kansas City, the roaster for Parisi, who was still there, he introduced me to like what I describe as the jemmy underbelly of Kansas City at the time. <laughs> Working for Paris Brothers was, was great. And it, it was a totally different culture than the publicly traded corporate culture. It was kind of a more family-oriented culture, factory-minded, a little bit more logistical. There were a lot of trade-offs there as well as benefits. One of the best side effects of working with coffee is that the roasters have a unique opportunity to travel and meet the people who actually grow coffee in its raw form. Gregory often takes trips to Central and South America to find the best beans for his roast, journeys that he first started while working for Krispy Kreme. Got on a plane and went to Mexico first, you know, and and then you see coffee in its native environment and it's this beautiful waxy leaf thing with bright red cherries when it's ripe and, and... The equivalent, the only one I can really think of is being a suburban kid from the basement of Chicago. You know, like if you were a cannabis lover and the first time you could run naked through a pot field um, (laughs) was the equivalent of, can I say that on your podcast? Yes, you can. Okay, great. Um, Yeah, so, you know, that was the equivalent. Like you're literally at the core and the genesis of the thing that gives you joy in your work. It still never gets old for me, but... Through Krispy Kreme, yes. So at that time, um, we were just figuring it out. So we went down to Mexico and had our our minds blown by, A, uh, the process of coffee, the people that are involved with it, biology of it, etc. And then, you know, the whole process of getting that from another country back to the States was really exciting. So yeah, it started out in Mexico and then spread to Guatemala and Brazil a few times Mm -hmm. and El Salvador and Costa Rica, you know, so... 
just kind of getting around and you meet people. And I think that was the biggest thing was realizing that this whole industry in its best day, especially now, functions on relationships. Mm -hmm. And some of the relationships that I cultivated back then I still have now, which is really fun in a business sense too. Seeing different levels of poverty, right? Seeing different levels of economic dysfunction and yet seeing like, so even in the most poverty dense situation that we're in there were still children playing and like people were still people you know mm-hmm. and and that was really the thing for me realizing this, this whole operation and industry just hinged on people right mm-hmm. and like so i think that was the biggest thing was opening my eyes to a greater world of people outside of who i was and where i came from um and the fact that we could make an impact on their livelihood and their their situation by okay. by what we do or could do The decision to make the leap and start your own business isn't an easy one. For Gregory, though, the idea was unknowingly planted in his mind during his tenure working for Krispy Kreme. Years later, when an opportunity popped up to purchase his first roaster, Gregory jumped at the chance. So I'm sitting in this big office with a big paycheck and this big table on this drawer, this writing board. I pulled it out and I had a picture from a Patagonia catalog back then, which is essentially a coffee roaster in Vancouver, Cowboy Coffee. I don't know if they're still around, but it had a quarter pipe, a record player, and there was a guy going up in coffee everywhere and like a couple coffee roasters. And that was the moment early on where I was like, oh, you can have that and be profitable. And it seems by this one picture in a catalog, you know, (laughs) which is why I love Patagonia because you are, they deal in inspiration as well as quality products, Mm -hmm. all of that. My two years at Parisi was really educational and I, hopefully symbiotic, um, but I just realized it was never going to be a place where I could be myself, right? And I always say, like, if I couldn't find a culture or a space that I agreed with 100%, I would have to create my own. And that came kind of at the same time as, I remember the moment, though, I was talking to a friend who worked on coffee roasters and I'd used, I worked with him for years. And he's like, hey, I have this roaster. I mean, it's small, but do you you want it? And this bell kind of rung deep inside of me. And and that was like one of the knowing moments for me. I was like, yes. And that was at a time when in Kansas City, there were three roasters essentially. And so I could start off really small and I did. So that was the moment. Like, and, And then I just transitioned and jumped. We opened our business right when the economy crashed. Luckily, I was ignorant enough to not know that was a problem. For the wholesale customers like coffee shops, like people were ready for something different at that time, you know, and I think we still are. But like at that time, it was just the right time to come in and try to do something different. The oddly correct Instagram account is filled with images of coffee, of course, but it isn't all oddly correct coffee. Gregory makes a habit of visiting other local roasters and encouraging his customers to try their coffee as well. I asked him if the coffee community at large is as supportive of each other as he is. Back in the day when there were the three big three, like it seemed like all the owners hated each other and there were these this bad blood and like maybe that's still that happens. But I think the people who work for those companies didn't appreciate that. And like, so like, let's form this bond of we're baristas, we're coffee lovers. And so, you know, Kansas City, as a lot of cities do, but throwdowns, you know, once a month they'll get together and do lots of air competitions. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, like we actually believe we're all on the same mission of blowing people's minds and creating those moments. No matter how you decide to do that in your shop, the idea is to freak people out of what coffee could be. We tried to do the math on how many new roasters we have like this year alone. It's at least five. And so yeah, we want to go around and like meet them and like, it's really special. The Kansas City coffee scene is growing and like people are finding out that it's not just a Midwestern coffee city with a couple nice shops. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually people doing meaningful things. The Oddly Correct Tasting Room is a warm space filled with old brick and weathered wood. The menu is simple. They offer 12 drinks in one size. What's not on offer? 
coffee additions like cream or sugar. For Gregory, the tasting room is a showcase for the pure coffee flavor that he loves so much. This oddly correct thing grew out of like, I don't know, it didn't grow out of like a long-term vision. It came out of an idea of like freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's see if this thing works. And at that time we had Mike Schroeder, who was my brother-in-law actually, and like he was working with me and then now he rose full time. We had another guy, a great guy named Tyler here in the coffee industry with us. And what I equated to was the three of us getting in a shopping cart and rolling down Main Street towards the <laughs> plaza. And that's how we started to build, right? We had this opportunity in the corner come up. And yeah, when this roasting space is not very large. And on a Saturday, um, it would fill up with people. And uh, it was fun and exciting, but we couldn't serve all the people we wanted to and, and kind of freaked me out. Um, the vision over there was to create a space that was unlike any other space that we knew of. We literally don't want to have a coffee shop. We're not interested in that. So the idea was to create yeah, uh, an environment where we could curate a coffee experience that was like a museum in a way um, or, or an exhibition space. Like we want to frame coffee in the light where we feel like it works best, especially in the light of the work that goes into it and all of that from, from the farm level to, to roasting and all of that. So the idea was to create a context where you could actually um, focus on the coffee yeah, we don't offer cream and sugar because we believe that just like us, maybe not everybody is that way, but there are people who get converted every day to drinking black coffee because they have this experience. And it's sort of like craft beer or, or bourbon, you know, like before we were drinking Schwill and it was like, yeah, you had to do this to it. But then somebody gave you this beer and you're like, what is this? Cherry wheat early was on that thing for me. And I was like, what? The? I didn't even like beer, you know, because it was all shit essentially, yeah. right? Like, so that same thing for coffee. So we've decided... We'll take a stand and just say, like, we believe coffee can, can be a standalone beverage, you know, and really beautiful. So we live in the land of the customer's always right. Has there ever been a backlash when you've told someone they can't have cream or sugar? Good art divides an audience. And, and we know this because someone will be offended by it and the other person thinks it's the best thing in the world. And I want to make everybody happy, especially being an owner of a business. Like, and it's just my personality. I want to please you, right? We've set it up so I cannot. Can't please everybody. And for the people that don't like what we're doing and are vocal about it, there's like that many other people who really love it and are quiet about it. And, mm -hmm. and I don't read reviews, good or bad, but I do see the moments. And so for me, it's really hard to say no to somebody because it is just coffee. I'll give you a cream. I don't care. But then I'm like, no, actually, we are trying to make a difference in the coffee world and maybe change the way we look at coffee in Kansas City. On one hand, it's like, well, who are you to tell me how to drink my coffee? Like, I will point you to like 12 other amazing places around town where you can have a good experience. And we try to do that. So we'll buy coffee for people if they have a problem. and like, just taste it and then whip it in the street. I want you to do something meaningful with it. Earlier, you mentioned that one of the reasons you wanted to go on your own was to create a culture you agreed with 100%. How are you doing that with your business? I should say this, too. The other reason for being weird over at the shop of having 12 items, things we're only good at, we did it so that, we A, we could be good at everything, that we do and be proud of every offering instead of you know that like you offer you ask for something at a coffee shop and the barista rolls their eyes and like all right i'll go get it i'll do the <laughs> i'll do the panini or whatever the idea is that we create a haven for coffee people to come in and kick ass and pursue their craft as well as like not work them to death which is what i experience in some other workplaces right? right like it's just expected it's what you do because the owner does it like you have to do it too so i have probably to a fault like expected way less of people that worked with us in the past <laughs> But I think now we're just trying to create a culture of rigor in whatever we're doing, whether it's cleaning the toilet, cleaning the espresso machine, pouring a coffee, working letterpress. That's the exciting thing for me is kind of growing up into a sustainable 
kick-ass cultured business. Before Gregory discovered coffee, he wanted to be an artist and went to school for illustration. While his main focus shifted, his love of art never left him, and he continued to create. He combined his love of art and coffee in Oddly Correct when he had the idea to create the coffee bag labels using his own letterpress designs. I wouldn't consider myself an artist even even though I'd been making art for years and years. Because I didn't get a degree, I'm like, well, you're not a qualified artist. We're like, <laughs> interesting. That It had to come out somewhere. So it always come out, like if I look back through meeting notes, even from at Krispy Kreme, there's always mm-hmm. a portrait of somebody across the way, which maybe speaks to my luck in my poor placement of putting this guy in a corporate environment. <laughs> but like, you know, you're always drawing. And yes, I am in North Carolina was the first time I was able to work on a painting without punching through it. As I learned, it's okay to not be perfect. I had this moment where I was painting, had another situation that just kind of made me go, oh, like, I can't paint like I've been painting in oil for 30 years, but I will not paint with fear. I can't play bass like I've been playing jazz for 15 years, but I will not play bass with fear. And that sort of changed my approach to my process. Like, it's okay to suck. It's actually okay to be, be a beginner. And t- to your point, of, like, was I always doing art? Like, I would always take um, a craft bag, which is essentially this plain paper, right? Mm-hmm. And no matter where I was working, and I would draw on it, and when I would go see shows, I would just give it to artists that I love. That's kind of where that started. And then, like, when I moved here, um, about that time, I went to see this band called The Slip, which is now the Bar Brothers. Mm-hmm. I plug that because you should listen to it, okay. everyone. <laughs> um, but a really benign comment, like, which I had done many times before, just drop coffee off to them. And the last time this guy, Brad, is like, is this a print? And something just cracked in my mind, you know, like, because I'd just come to Kansas City, mm-hmm. had just seen Hammer Press, and, like, was blown away by the whole, that whole thing. Right. But it was the idea of, like, replicating art, right? Like, mm-hmm. what was a way, especially in, like, having this weird operational mindset in coffee, what are ways that we could do that? And the moment after I had that epiphany, I drove home and got on eBay and bought some tiny 3 by 5 little Kelsey letterpress mm-hmm. and started figuring it out. And they were ugly days. <laughs> and they're still a little bit rough. Precision is not my strong point but um the idea of creating like a limited tangible product is really fun for years across the street from the oddly correct tasting room a beautiful art deco building sat vacant this had been the historic cat's drugstore and gregory worked with the community to save the space from demolition and help transform it into a community art studio where he himself has a studio space i asked him how that came about was a long game because there wasn't capital you know like right. we just dirtbagged it like we did everything else <laughs> on main street and like got our friends and put it together we got a lot of support from redeemer you know that they, they were cool enough to like open the doors to artists to come in and just start creating right so we're three years in and about three or four incarnations of artists in and this mm. current one is by far the most active and just engaged in the city as well So yeah, there's two open studios a year and then we'll have more program. We just, again, like from my perspective in being involved, like I want you to walk in and feel it instead of like walk in and see shiny things and think, oh, this must be cool. Like I'd rather you feel the sweat and the blood and all those things, Mm -hmm. the soul, right? Mm -hmm. While it is easy for a small business owner to get lost in the minutia of day-to-day tasks, Gregory is clear-sighted in his vision for his company and works every day with his employees to create the culture that he hoped for when he first started Oddly Correct. Part of it is just like passion, right? Like mm-hmm. we, our tagline used to be and probably will return freaking out your morning cup. You know, like we wanted to be like, wow, okay, this is coffee. This 
has a flavor I've never experienced before. And it's kind of for the adventurous in a way. But yeah, that was the idea. It was like, I want to blow, like the reason I'm in coffee is because I had my mind blown. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hello Atelier. To see pictures of Gregory's roasting and tasting spaces, visit us at helloatelier.org. To keep up on all our new episodes, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And to you, Gregory, I raise my mug. (laughs) 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 That's our best take. (laughs) 